Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing well. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I decided that I wanted to start doing some album descriptions for some of the records or the collections of music, I should say, that I've released in the past. You know, I did some descriptions for PC3 Clouds, uh, Ad Astra 1, 2, and 3, but, you know, I never did a description for the Pipe Choir debut and the Escon's project and, you know, now the Wrench and the Rubicon and the Last Major Sin, like all those things that I've released, I never really had a chance to talk about. So the net result, okay, is that I wind up going back through my, you know, files and my, you know, uh, my vault, you know, of different versions of different songs and different uh, attempts at different ideas. And it's really kind of cool to do because, um, what I'm finding is a lot of material that I don't remember and a lot of things I don't remember doing. And uh, so I wanted to mention that. That's why I haven't been doing a podcast or anything lately. Well, I mean, I have been working on new music as well, but I'm really kind of like, you know, taking my time trying to make these album descriptions like, you know, pretty good. You know, I want to make them comprehensive and, you know, complete. You know, t telling the whole story of the record and everything, that kind of thing, you know. Um, but uh, I'm finding these treasures, you know, from the past. And I'll talk more about that later at the end of the podcast. But, of course, I've heard the news, and I'm sure you have by now, too, uh, the passing of Taylor Hawkins. I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention that in this podcast today. And, um, you know, I, I feel really bad that Taylor Hawkins is not here anymore. He's not going to be making any more songs or making any more records or touring anymore or anything. Uh, he was a pretty remarkable drummer. And, um, you know, while I may not be an expert on drumming, I, I would consider myself to be you know, an educated opinion. I've been drumming since I was like five years old and I never stopped. I'm, and I'm going to be 51 pretty soon. So that's a long time, you know, to have experience with anything. And uh, it's a long time to have any experience with drumming, you know. So um, I have my opinions about him. And, um, you know, honestly and truly, okay, you know, everything I'm about to say is really only my opinion. Okay, that's all it is. But in my experience as a drummer, okay, um, there are kind of like two kinds of styles of playing. Not so much style as in like whether you play jazz or rock and roll or something like that. It's more kind of like where you're playing is coming from like as an individual and uh, you know I'm going to try to explain this thinking as best I can but it is pretty difficult because it's pretty abstract and it's pretty minor or at least it seems to be minor but it's really not you know because it's really the whole ball game when it comes to playing the drums um, at least in my opinion now, there are some drummers that, like, when they play, their attitude is kind of, like, turned outward, okay? They're sitting behind the instrument, they're playing, they're doing their thing, but they're coming from a place where they're aware that there is an audience in front of them, and that's apparent. You'll see these guys, you know, twirling their drumsticks, you know, doing acrobatics, and doing things that are visual to appeal to the people that are watching, like in order to get their attention or to impress them or something like that, okay? And that's cool, that's, that's great, okay? There are a lot of players, especially now, I'm noticing with a lot of the younger drummers, you know, that's pretty common to see them doing that kind of stuff, you know, twirling their drumsticks, like hot-dogging it, 
you know, so that the audience will be impressed or wowed, okay? But there's another school of drummer where they're turned inward, okay? Do you follow me? Like, they're aware that there's an audience there, but they're playing, like, in the song. And they're not really paying attention, really, to what is happening outside of that circle or that bubble that they're in behind their drum set. And for me personally, I've always been more like drawn to drummers that were like that, as opposed to the guys who are like twirling their sticks and hot dogging it, you know, like trying to impress the people that are watching. Okay. It's like, I kind of appreciate more the kind of player that turns inward and is like losing themselves in the song and they're not really okay almost aware that there's an audience there like they're like uh and the reason i'm talking about this okay so probably sounds like i'm going nowhere with this point but taylor hawkins from the foo fighters was one of those drummers that, at least in my opinion, turned inward when he was drumming. Um, He was an energetic drummer and he had a lot of chops and he had a lot of energy and a lot of passion in his playing, but he wasn't really, from my point of view, he wasn't really playing to the audience. He was playing inside of the song and losing himself in the song. And of all the things I could say about Taylor Hawkins, that's probably like the biggest compliment that I could give him. Um, you know, it's it's not something to be taken lightly, especially if you're a musician that's deciding to take on music professionally. Like you might be young right now, but you know, you, you've got to make the decision when you're young and you know I'm here to tell you you know if you are good luck you know that's great and you know bear that in mind what I just said you know there's like two different kinds of not just drummers I guess but performers you know Um, a good example of what I'm saying because this is a pretty difficult thing to really grasp I think what I'm trying to convey or try to explain um there's a concert performance on a show called live with jules holland um and bjork was the guest on this show and it was a great show um and uh basically i guess the setup of the show was they would have this big huge sound stage and they would have different performers uh, different groups and stuff like that set up in a circle in the studio and then the camera crew would go from group to group you know like station to station and they would film you know these bands playing a couple of their songs and it was fantastic but uh my point is on this one episode live with jules holland he has bjork as a guest on his show and she does this performance where you can type it in you know to youtube live with jules holland you know bjork but uh, it's the one where she's wearing the green dress. I forget the name of the song offhand, which one she's doing. But I do remember watching her performance and it was like exactly what I'm talking about here, where you can see in Bjork's performance that she's not really aware of the audience or the camera. You know, she's not performing to the camera or to the audience she's performing her song and she's singing like with so much intensity but like she's either got her eyes closed or she's staring off into space while she's singing and that's exactly what i'm trying to convey to you here you know this idea of um, the difference between performers that are like outward or performers that are inward with their performance 
And to me, I could be wrong because I don't know Taylor Hawkins or, you know, I didn't I didn't know him or anything personally. But by watching him play and studying how he played, I kind of got that impression, you know, that um, he may have been one of the only rock drummers to get to the level he was at that was really kind of doing it that way. Um, And I think that that's worth mentioning. I may be the only person who, uh, in retrospect, will say anything like that about him. Um, And I can honestly say I wasn't a huge fan all the time of everything that Taylor Hawkins did or that the Foo Fighters did, but I liked a lot of what they did. And, uh, you know, I just... I, I really do feel that uh, it's a great loss. I mean, they're going to say that about every person who dies and you know, every famous musician that dies. But I, I got to tell you, uh, from my point of view, which probably means nothing, but you, know, you had Neil Peart, you had Eddie Van Halen, and now Taylor Hawkins joins the ranks. You know, it's just, I, we really lost something, folks. You know, and to have it happen so unexpectedly and so quickly and everything. And, you know, I'm hearing these reports about, you know, they are making the claim that he might have overdosed on drugs or something like that. And, you know, of course, nobody knows for sure. But my best guess is that's not going to be true, that in the future we're going to find out that it was really natural causes you know, or maybe some other thing, but it wasn't uh, an overdose on heroin or something like that, in my opinion, okay, in my professional opinion, um, there's no way that Taylor Hawkins could be drumming on that level for that long and have a really bad drug problem. I'm sorry, you know, uh, I don't believe it. I think that you have to take care of your body, you know, if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to commit to world tours like that and to be doing that people just don't have any grasp or any concept or you know most people anyway don't have any grasp or concept of like how difficult it is to drum like physically you know it's not difficult to do a song behind a drum set you know it's not difficult even to do five songs okay but to do 10 songs 20 songs 30 songs or whatever it is every night for like a year you have to be in pristine physical condition to be able to keep up with that and i'm speaking from experience okay it's so difficult to do and it's not like you know going to a foo fighters concert was like going to an ace of bass concert (laughs) you know it's like these guys were like full tilt boogie, like hitting hard. You know, their music was slamming, is slamming. So for Taylor Hawkins to be behind that drum kit doing that kind of thing for that long, that often, and to be doing it that well and on that level, uh, no, I'm sorry. I just don't believe it. I will be totally stunned, totally shocked to you know, have it confirmed that Taylor Hawkins overdosed. I just don't believe it. I'm going to have to be convinced that that's what's happened. But uh, nevertheless, regardless of any of that or whatever, it is particularly sad. And you know, honestly, I got to tell you, maybe you'll agree with me on this, um, like in your own life, but I've noticed Uh, Maybe over the past six months, uh, maybe a little bit longer, six, seven, yeah, probably about six or eight months, um, there is so much unexpected death and disease and illness happening around me with people that I know and with people that I love and people that I care about. Um, I mean, it's just kind of well at first it seemed okay you know I'm getting older this is gonna happen I've passed a certain age and it's to be expected 
you know, that, uh, you know, some of the people I know are going to start dying. Like, that's going to happen. We're getting older. But that's not it. That's not it. Because uh, my experience is that it's not really people that are just my age, you know. And a, a lot of people around me, uh, more than ever before in my life, uh, are slipping away or, or getting really sick, you know. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is. I have my suspicions. It seems to be abnormal or unnatural. It does seem that way to me. Um, it just is so... such a bummer, you know. Um, I got people all around me like that. Don't quite know what to make of it, but I'm sure that, you know, between you and I right now listening to this podcast, we have our suspicions, I'm sure. It's not just age. You know, there's something weird afoot. I don't know if it's... I don't know what the cause is. I don't know. But um, do you feel that way too? Are you guys noticing that too? Or am I the only one? Is it just in my mind? You know? Um, yeah, I just recently lost uh, my aunt, the one who had given me that guitar. You know, I talked about in the past, the one who had a piano at her house and she would encourage me to play the piano and all that. Well, yeah, she slipped away. She's gone. She died. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, Life is sad sometimes, you know? It really is. And I've said it before on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again probably a million more times in the future, but I'm going to say it again right now. Um, It's really sad when people die. It really is. Yeah. I think especially the older we get, the sadder it becomes. You know, the more time we have to spend with certain people in our lives, it makes it that much more difficult when they actually slip away and they're no longer here anymore. So may my aunt rest in peace. I loved her more than anybody could really even say. She was like a second mother to me, really. My mother and her were very close. They were sisters. And uh, my family and my aunt's family my cousins, we spent a lot, a lot of time together over the past 50 years. And, you know, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving uh, was either at our house or at their house. And we just had such a great relationship. Like in many ways, um, you know, my mother was a mother to my cousins and my aunt was a mother to us. And it's really really truly how it was so in a way you know it's kind of like losing my mom you know kind of kind of not exactly but kind of you know and um it hurts that hurts you know so but we have to be able to you know move on and we have to be able to carry on and we have to be able to laugh you know, and uh, smile and have fun, you know, and, uh, you know, even though lately I've been feeling kind of blue, I'll admit, you know, the loss of Taylor Hawkins and the loss of my aunt and a couple friends of mine got sick, you know, I've been kind of feeling a little down and um, I don't like that. You know, I like to be happy and feel good and have fun and, um, So, you know, every once in a while, I'll go on the hunt for like a a Dave Chappelle video or something that will make me laugh to kind of pull me out, you know, and it works. And um, I was watching just yesterday, actually, I was just watching a performance by Dave Chappelle, who I think is like an exceptional talent. I mean, the guy... (laughs) is probably, in my opinion, if you were to ask me, he's probably the greatest comedian 
that's ever lived. I mean, th- this guy is so good at what he does and how he does it. And uh, he never fails to make me laugh, you know, because he's really funny. He's not like SNL funny where it's like, oh, what a goofy, silly idea, you know? Oh, that's kind of like funny. Yay. No, it's like this guy says things and does things that are really funny. You know, they are well thought out, you know, high level intelligence humor delivered in (laughs) the most comical way. But, you know, anyway, the point is the reason I'm talking about it is because it got me to thinking about that idea of being a funny person. You know, do you ever think about this? Like when we laugh at something, it's usually uh, something that's being done by someone else, like outside of us, you know, outside of your your body, outside of your person. You'll observe somebody doing something or saying something that makes you laugh. You know, it gets a reaction from you that's really a very positive one. You know, laughter is a positive uh, reaction to things. And isn't that strange? You know, um, we may be the only creatures walking around uh, on this planet that do actually laugh at things, like find humor in things, you know? Think about that. I mean, do you ever think about that? I usually don't, but... You know, watching Dave Chappelle and all that, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, isn't that strange? This idea of being a creature that laughs, that we have laughter. And how laughing is, like, good for your health. It's good for your body. It's good for your brain. Like, the ability to be able to laugh. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I like to laugh. I mean, I really do. I seek it. I try to find it because I need it. You know, laughing is just really a great thing to do. And, you know, some people can't laugh. You know, they don't find anything funny. They're so stuck in whatever mindset they're in that they don't even bother to laugh at anything anymore. I know a few people that are like that now, especially, you know, in the post-COVID world. You know, they just are humorless, you know. Oh, what a tragedy, isn't it? Oh, it's just pathetic. How pathetic and sad, you know, to be walking around in this world and to be so hung up and so serious and so in to your head that you can't laugh at anything anymore. Please, happy innovators, all of you, everybody who's listening to this podcast right now, please don't be like that. Don't be like that. You know, no matter what you're going through in your life or what's going on or whatever, man, take the time to find humor and laughter in your life. You have to do it. You know, it's one thing to starve from lack of food or water. It's a whole separate thing to starve from, you know, peace and happiness and tranquility and humor and laughter and fun you know think about that because I do I do think about it and uh, isn't it amazing really to think about you know that we we laugh at what we see we laugh at what we hear very seldom do we laugh at something we do although that does happen quite a bit with me I make mistakes all the time or I'll do things all the time that are, you know, that are laughable, you know? It's just like, uh, you know, there's a saying, you either laugh or you cry, you know? That's kind of the story of my life. Like, uh, when things go wrong, you know, or whatever, things don't go the way you want, you can either laugh or you can cry. Well, I'll choose to laugh, you know? I can laugh at myself, and uh, so can my wife. Part of the reason why I married her is because she can laugh at herself and like me and, you know, a lot of the people we know, she can really kind of appreciate a good rubber chicken every once in a while, 
You know, it's okay. It's okay to laugh and it's okay to laugh at yourself, you know, for making an error or being silly or irrational or stupid. You know, it's okay. It's all right. It's part of life. But uh, don't lose that. You know, don't lose that. And, uh, oh, the people I know that are humorless and they just can't laugh anymore or they just don't or they won't. Oh, it's so sad, you know. And no wasted potential, you know, really. Because life is rough and hard and difficult, but there's hope and there's humor and there's good things too. It's not all one thing all the time, you know. And uh, I don't know. It's something to think about. And it's something I'm going to be thinking about for a while. You know, the ability to laugh. Anyway, my happy innovators, I can't talk too much longer today. I have a lot of things to get busy with. But I wanted to mention before I ended the podcast today that in the near future, I'm going to be releasing some new music in the very near future. Um, a while back, I mean, many years ago now, before I came up with the concept of PC3 and all that kind of stuff, I had a side project that I was doing um, that I called Diode, Dreams in Overdrive Eternal. That was the moniker, Diode, D-I-O-D-E. And uh, they were basically, you know, what would become PC3 songs, okay? But they were very short pieces of music, like three minutes long or four minutes long, you know, normal length. But they were ambient pieces of music. And, um, you know, a lot of them were recorded on my four track cassette recorder, uh, you know, very early sketches. And, um, you know, in the course of going back through my vault of material that I have, which is, you know, you know, much more extensive than I remember it being, um, I found, you know, this collection of all these diode music ideas. And I started to listen to it and everything. And it's kind of a, a cool thing, you know, I had forgotten about and uh it exists i made the music you know it exists um but i had forgotten about it and what's even cooler is that as i started to go through these pieces of music and listen to what i had i realized that a lot of these little short ideas were kind of like the jumping off point for future pc3 ideas but I don't remember making that conscious choice. Like, I'm going to make this short little piece the longer PC3 version. I think I just did it like by osmosis, like naturally. Um, but it was kind of like, in a lot of ways, like entertaining for me to to listen to these tracks. So I'm going to be releasing the diode tracks. Um, under the name PC3, uh, it's going to be a full-length album, you know, about 15 songs, um, uh, PC3 short songs, you know, and uh, the title of the album will be Diodata, uh, D-I-O-D-A-T-A, Diodata, um, and uh, you can be looking for that very soon, and uh, I thought that was cool and worth mentioning. Um and you'll be able to find, uh, before too long, uh, the Wrench and the Rubicon will be officially released. Let's see. And then the, the PC3 Diodata will be released. And um, I'm in the process now of recording three uh, PC3 Honest Wave albums right now. I'm in that process. So um, you can be looking for some new music very soon my happy innovators. And uh, I can't, like I said, I can't talk much longer today, but uh, hang in there and stay tuned. You know, keep your eye open for those album descriptions. I'm going to do an album description for the Pipe Choir debut CD. Um, 
the PC One Division album, the PC One Wilderness album, the Pipe Choir Escon's album, the PC One Escon's album, uh, the Last Major Sin album, and the Wrench and the Rubicon album. I'm going to be doing album descriptions for all of those. So what is that, like seven? Yeah, I think that's like seven. Stay tuned for all that, my happy innovators. I'll talk to you laters. And uh, remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, everybody. Hey there, happy innovators. Are you ready for some music today? I got a good one for you. You know, I had mentioned in the podcast that I was going through my vault, right? And finding all these old versions of songs and everything. So I figured in uh, lieu of all that, and considering that this podcast will be, you know, considerably shorter than what I normally do, um, I'm going to give you two songs today. One is going to be a version, a very early version of the song Dream On, but with me drumming on it, okay? I never released it. Um, I forgot that I had done it and I heard it and it sounded pretty good. Um, I also am going to share with you a version of the song I have called Ignite to Light, but it was before it was Ignite to Light. It was only called Ignite. And I don't know if you remember me telling the story ever. I don't even, I'm not even sure if I have, honestly. But, um, you know, over the course of many, many years, uh, I had done different versions of the song Ignite. And, you know, I changed lyrics. I changed the arrangement of the song. I added in different instrumentation. I subtracted instruments out, like I took the drums out or, you know, I just messed with it for years and years. And the net result was I had written really two separate song ideas. Okay. So I had the same music, the same notes and everything, but I had different words and I had a different arrangement. One song was called Ignite. The other song was called Light to Light. So what I did for the Escon's album was I just mashed those two versions together into one song and called it Ignite to Light. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you, well, I guess now that I'm talking about it, what I'll do is I'll share the version of Dream On, the old version with drums on it, so you can hear that. I'll give you the old version of Ignite. And then maybe I'll share with you also that version of Light to Light, so you can hear that too. And maybe that'll make up for me only talking for, you know, 30 minutes as opposed to like 50 minutes. So does that sound fair? Does that sound cool? All right. So here we go. Circa, man, I don't even know when these were recorded. I would say 2006 and maybe 2010, uh, I recorded these versions. So. Uh, Dream On with Drums, Ignite, and Light to Light by Pipe Choir. Check it out. Peace out. Be safe. Have fun. And don't forget to laugh. Make time to laugh, everybody. And if you need help with that, just type in Dave Chappelle. Watch anything by him because he's pretty damn funny. Anyway, peace out. Love you. Be safe. Talk to you later.